Amen. Thank you, Ryan. So first things first, before we get started with the sermon, um, as some of you know, if you're on Facebook, you know I'm going to have another grandchild, and uh, we had the baby reveal, and you know the number seven in the book of Revelation means perfect and complete, so this will be my seventh grandchild, but I was kind of thinking, ah, they're all boys, so seven is perfect, probably going to have seven boys, and then maybe we'll get but number seven was perfect because we're going to have a little girl. So, so when the pink confetti came out, I cried. It was good. Look at this, little Steeler dress. Check that out. Put number seven on there for seven. Uh, God is good, so good, too good to me, and I'm just so grateful and thankful. Thank you for your prayers for my family. So if you're visiting today, I always like to let you know we, uh, we do what's called expository preaching. It's where you go verse by verse through the scriptures, uh, sometimes paragraph by paragraph, and we let God's word be the topic. And so today we're, we're in John chapter 6. We are going back and forth each week through the gospel of John and the book of Romans. And I shouldn't say I'm surprised, but I am, I've been amazed how these two books gel together. And we're really in Romans now going to start talking about the sovereignty of God in salvation, that it's a work of God on your heart. And we see some of that here in John chapter 6. So I want to show you this verse at the end of John, uh, John 20. There's 21 chapters, but John 20 says this. John tells us why he's writing this book. He says, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Christ, he's the Savior. Christ is not his last name. That's his, it's a title. He is the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. We're learning that he's God the Son. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is John's goal. He wrote this today so that you would believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world, that he is God who came to save us. You get both that life. It's not just extended life. Because some of you are like, man, I don't, my life's miserable. I don't know if I want to live forever. Well, no, this is, this is both spiritual life and physical life in resurrected bodies. But it's life to the fullest. It's no more emptiness, no more hopelessness. Right now, abundant life in your heart, in your soul when you come to Christ. But yes, in the future, then God wants you to be with him forever and ever in his presence. And that's why Jesus came. Now, when we came to John 6, Jesus did this miracle, miraculous thing to get everybody's attention. 
and he feeds approximately 20,000 people, counting the women and children, with five loaves of bread and two fish that a little boy gives. When you give to God, God can do some amazing things. And he just created food out of the air. You can't even explain it. It just happened before their eyes. And instead of the people following love with Jesus as their Savior, humbling themselves, surrendering to him, they fell in love with the power. They wanted to make him into an earthly king, a political king who would give them all the physical blessings they wanted. Of course, Jesus would have nothing to do with this. They especially loved the fact, because in these ancient times, it was, they were wondering where they're going to get their next bread. And, and they especially loved the free food Jesus offers. And Jesus point blank tells them, they're, they're following him, they're getting in boats, crowds of people trying to get to him. Instead of Jesus said, hey, I'm glad you're here, I'm glad you're coming to see me. He's like, hey, you guys are only following me because you want your bellies filled with food. You only care about the physical. You're not going to turn and surrender and turn from your sin and make me your savior? So their dialoguing with Jesus, they're saying, well, hey, Moses gave us bread, gave our fathers bread in the wilderness. So why can't you give us more bread? They're still thinking physical. Jesus says it wasn't Moses that gave you that bread. It was God that gave you that bread. And then he says, I'm the bread from heaven that God is sending. First he's, first he's saying, I'm going to give you this heavenly bread that I offer. But now he just turns it into, I am the bread. I am the bread of life. And we talked about this. When Moses asked God what his name was, he said, I am who I am. So these guys know when Jesus says, I am the bread, he's claiming to be equal with God. So important, class, okay, as we're learning today, that you understand when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, it is a metaphor, okay? He is not a piece of bread. Um, he is the satisfier of the soul. Uh, John 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He's not a, he's not a flashlight. He's, he's, not a, he's not a light. He's, he's spiritual light. In the midst of this dark world, Jesus will give you spiritual light. John 10, Jesus says, I am the door. He's not a wooden thing on the front of your house. He is the way in. John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Jesus was a carpenter. He wasn't a, a shepherd. What's he? he was referring to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He says, I'm the, I'm the shepherd from Psalm 23. I'm the Lord. John 11, I am the resurrection and the life, maybe my favorite. Because he goes on to say, whoever believes in me will never die. 
John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. And then we'll see in John 15, he says, I am the vine. I am the vine. I am the source of life. And you cannot have spiritual life apart from me. You cannot bear fruit physically without the spiritual vine who is Jesus Christ. So last thing Jesus says, he's telling them that he's the bread that came down from heaven. And number one, I'm going to just see three points today in John 6. First, let's look at the crowd's reaction to what Jesus is saying. Verse 41, we left off. says, So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he say, I have come down from heaven? So they don't have spiritual sight. They can't hear what Jesus is saying. They don't have spiritual ears. Jesus would always say, you know, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. But they couldn't hear. They couldn't see. Jesus makes food out of nothing. Only God can do that. God said, let there be light. Jesus said that, and there was light. He creates out of nothing. So they should have known, but they're so focused on the physical that they're looking at Jesus saying, hey, wait a minute. He's from Nazareth. We know his parents. How can he be from heaven when it was obvious? And, and, and as we go through John's gospel, it continues to become more obvious. But they are hostile to it. Unbelief will always breed hostility. Some of you have found that out as Christians. You try to tell your unbelieving friends about Jesus. You're excited that you've come to Christ. You tell these unbelievers, and they're hostile with you. It's, it's amazing to me how these unbelievers get so hostile. They get so angry about it. You can tell people you believe in God, and you believe in God's power, and everybody thinks that's okay. But when you start saying, hey, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Hey, you need to turn from your sin. You need to surrender your life. They get hostile on you. I mean, I've talked to people for 40 years I've been doing this. I've talked to some sweet old ladies, you know. I go and visit them, and it's like I start talking to them, and they're so nice and sweet. And I'll be like talking to them about God, and they're fine. But all of a sudden, I say, hey, have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? And all of a sudden, that sweet old lady, have you ever seen that lizard on Jurassic Park <laughs> that attacks Newman? The guy who plays Newman? That cute little lizard, and all of a sudden, the wings come out of his neck. He spews poison. That's what I get from this lady one time. It's like, gee, unbelief always starts grumbling, complaining, hostility, and you will never understand God if you have a hard heart and you want to be a grumbler, okay? And that's why God tells his people, us, not to grumble, not to complain. Philippians, do everything without grumbling or complaining. And he says, you'll shine like stars. Why? 
because everybody else in the world's grumbling and complaining. So it shouldn't be my people because you should be showing contentment and joy. And I'm going to give you some advice. We don't need to argue with people. You're not going to argue somebody to believe in you. You're not. You might as well go to some. Second uh, Timothy 2, the Lord's servant must not quarrel, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, teach people, love people, don't quarrel with them. And I'm not saying that we don't stand up for the truth, and if somebody's saying something false, that we don't point that out and try to talk to them. But once we see all they want to do is argue, you're not going to argue them to becoming a Christian. Just move to somebody else, y'all, okay? But the crowd's reaction was hostility because of their unbelief. So number two, second point, notice Christ's response. Christ's response to their reaction. Verse 43, Jesus answered them, Do not grumble amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. And they had God teaching them right there. God standing in front of them. But they didn't want to hear it. They couldn't see it. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Jesus is saying, I've seen the Father. Why? Because I've been with him for all of eternity. And the Father has sent me to open people's eyes, to open their ears spiritually. But what he's saying to them, all this grumbling, you're not going to get anywhere, guys. Because the only way you're going to get to God, the only way you're going to understand it, God is going to have to do a work on your heart. Because no one's going to come to God unless God draws you. Okay? Some of you think you came on, on your own terms. And you, you're not a robot. But God drew you here. I was 18. I didn't want to go to church. Somehow I got there. In the Greek, this drawing, God drawing, it can also mean drag. God drug me to church and propped me up in the back with a hangover and said, now listen to the gospel. And I heard and I believed. And all of a sudden I, I had spiritual eyes and spiritual ears. I could hear the teaching of God. So it's God that does a work on your heart. And if you're not sure if God's doing a work on your heart, you need to ask God, God, work on my heart. Draw me to you because I can't come with my physical mind. I can't, you can't earn salvation with anything physical, religious, or human effort. It is, salvation is a total work of God. Verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. How do you get to heaven? You believe, not with your mind. Jesus is an encyclopedia. It's with your heart. It's with all of your being. You, you, you give your life to it. You put your life in God's hands because you truly believe. Verse 48, 
Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I'm the satisfier of the soul. I'm the only way you're going to have spiritual life. And he says, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Spiritual language. He's saying, I'm going to, my life, he's saying, I'm going to go to the cross. They're going to put my flesh, they're going to put my human body that I took on to be the sacrifice on the cross. That's what's going to give you spiritual bread when you come and believe in the work of Christ. And folks, he says, you know, he says, because they're so, they're talking about Moses and all the bread. And Jesus is like, listen, those people, those Israelites, they ate that bread and they died. Physical, all the physical bread in the world, you can have an unlimited supply. It is not going to get you to God. He's, he's saying it's not about physical stuff, guys. Open your eyes, open your ears. But they were hard to it. Um, and I want to point out, because I see this where, you know, churches can get misguided, um, like about giving away bread. We used to give away bread every week. Somebody dropped free bread off, and I think that's a good thing to do. Jesus had compassion on these unbelievers. So as Christians, we should have compassion. But some people are misguided because it's all about the bread. It's all about the food. But they don't give people the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ. And if, if, if you give somebody a meal, if you give somebody a meal, pat yourself on the back. I'm a Christian. I gave somebody a meal. Okay. Well, guess what? They're going to be hungry again tomorrow. If you give that person Jesus Christ and they surrender their life to Christ, they might starve to death, but they will live forever for all of eternity where there'll be no hunger and there'll be no thirst. So yes, let's help the hurricane people. Yes, let's, let's feed the hungry when, when they, they're in front of us. But make sure we know the priority. We got to give people the gospel truth of Jesus Christ. So let's go to number three. Call this Christ reinforces. He reinforces his point about being the bread from heaven, the, the spiritual nourishment, the only way to God, the only way to satisfy your soul. And he says, in 52, it says, the Jews then disputed among themselves. And I always like to point this out. Who's the Jews? The Jews, he's referring to the Jewish religious leader. The disciples were Jewish. Not every Jewish person rejected Jesus, but there was a small remnant of it. But the Jewish religious leaders, they're still grumbling. They're still arguing. Because they're... They can't see it. Watch, they're still thinking physically. They say, how can this man give us flesh to eat? They don't get Jesus is talking spiritual. 
How, we got to take a bite out of this guy? What's going on here? Verse 53, so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. I love that. Jesus, you know, if somebody today is confused, I had a little young boy come up to me after the sermon. He was asking me questions. He wanted to know, well, what, did I, what did I mean by that? He's like, if I come to church and I listen to the Bible, is that like feeding on Jesus? And I said, yes. Yes, and he was like so happy, and I was able to guide him. But if someone asked me, you know, how can this man, is he talking about eating flesh? I would reason, I would sit with you for two hours and try to explain to you, no, he's not talking about eating his real flesh. Jesus doesn't do that. <laughs> he just, he knows what they're thinking, and he just reinforces it even more. You don't eat my flesh, you don't drink my blood. You have no spiritual life in you. Why? Jesus knew their hearts. You know, I don't know everybody's heart, so, so I, I try to reason with people, talk to people, explain it. to. Jesus knew their hearts. He knew they didn't want him. And we know Jesus often spoke in parables, and Scripture clearly says he did that to unbelievers on purpose so that they wouldn't understand. And it would even harden their hearts even more. But the believers, those with true hearts, those who love Jesus, he explained the parables to them. And watch this. He explains this when he gets with his disciples later on. We don't have time to go there today. Down in 63, he explains it. If people would just read the Bible and take everything in context, people take one sentence and they build cults out of it. All kinds of false teaching in our world because they don't read the whole context. And watch what Jesus says in verse 63. He makes it clear what he's saying. He says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Jesus is making it clear. When I'm talking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood, I'm saying spiritually that you have to consume me spiritually. You have to surrender all of yourself to me. And so that's what he's saying. These words are spiritual. And you might read this and go, yeah, how could anybody think, how could anybody think that Jesus was saying you got to take a bite out of his arm or you got to really eat his flesh and blood and skin? Well... Do you know there are teachings in our world? Okay. Um, do you know the Roman Catholic Church teaches uh, transubstantiation, it's called, to where when the priest blesses the wafer, that it becomes the actual body and flesh of Jesus? Did you know that? And I want to tell you something. That's not just misguided. Because you say, well, what's so, well that's the way they believe. Well, because it's idolatry. It, it, you're breaking the second commandment. God said, don't make any images and call it me. So you're, you're, you're praying to a wafer. And people always say, you don't have to apologize, but I just want you to understand, I'm not, 
I don't want to attack Catholic people. And many, many of you used to be Catholic and you came to Jesus. Um, my dad was an altar boy in the Catholic church. I got family. I'm not upset at Catholic people, but I'm up, I'm, what I'm pointing out is a religious system that's teaching people lies. And if you trust in a wafer to save you, and most Catholic people don't even know about this. They're like shocked when I tell them, well, you know, they believe that you're actually eating the flesh of Jesus. Really? I didn't know they teach that. And people get involved in all kinds of cults and false religion. They don't even know what the people believe. This is sad. And, and, and it can become a deception. I told you about the lady at Little League that, you know, she sounded like a Christian. She, was a, she goes to the Catholic Church. So I was like, do you believe Jesus is going to come back? She's like, Jesus is already back. I'm like, well, where is he? She goes, he's the wafer at my Catholic church. I was like, oh, boy. I thought she got it. She don't get it. <laughs> so, folks, this is sad. And I, you know, I don't want to attack these people. I want to help them come out of a false system that's teaching a works religious gospel that the water saves you or the wafer saves you. When Jesus is saying, no, you have to totally put your faith and trust in me spiritually. And that's why he's saying, you got to eat my flesh and you got to drink my blood. <laughs> Jesus says in John 10, I am the door. Okay? So I should call the Catholic Church this week and see if I can get them to do it. Hey, guys, uh, can I get a priest to come out here and bless my front door? Because I want my front door to be Jesus. I mean, if you offered them enough money, they'd probably come do it. But it's like, this is, it, it's really, it, it's sad to me, sad to me. So let's read on. Let's read on the closing verses. Jesus says, verse 55, reinforcing it, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. What's he talking about? My flesh, my body that's going to be put on the cross. My blood that's going to be shed for you on the cross. That's what, when you put your trust in that work, that's what's going to bring nourishment to your soul. That's going to give you access to God. Verse 56, whoever feeds on my flesh, drinks my blood, abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me spiritually, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. It's not physical bread. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. You know, Jesus was becoming popular, doing all these miracles. So he got, they let him speak at the synagogue. But this freaked them out. They couldn't understand it. And we're going to see at the end, this whole crowd leaves. They can't take it. Jesus looks at the 12 and says, do you want to leave me too? Thank God Peter says, where are we going to go? You got the words of eternal life. And true believers know that. Do you know Jesus has the words of eternal life? Um, are you willing to surrender to him? Are you willing to take 
take all of him into your heart and soul and life. I really believe, in closing, to kind of give you some application, um, I think Jesus is kind of saying here to this crowd, I don't want a working relationship with you. I don't want a business relationship. Okay, you all go to work and you have business relationships. You have people at your work and you know them. You say hi to them. They're friendly to you. You're friendly to them sometimes, right? <laughs> so, so you go there and you have these work relationships, but you leave. And then you go home to the people that you're really intimate with okay jesus says no we're not going to have a working business relationship where you show up and just say hi and no i want all of you i want to be intimate with you i want to spend time with you i want you to love me i want you to spend quality time hey any marriage in here if you've got a business relationship going on in your marriage you don't have a good marriage because basically, you're just high, cordial, bi. There's no physical intimacy, no spiritual intimacy, no emotional intimacy that every marriage needs, that God will help provide for you in that. But he's saying, I want intimacy. I want you to love me. And they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, love all your soul. That's what this... Okay, so let me give you this illustration. I love Big Macs. Love them. I'm in love with them. I'm in love with them. I know you can tell. Um, a genius. My son plays this piano. Genius. He said, you know, Dad, if you put Big Mac sauce on a double quarter pounder, you get a bigger sandwich. You get a bigger Big Mac. So I went and did it. I went and got, you know, I said, I want a double quarter pounder, no ketchup and mustard, add Big Mac sauce. And I brought that thing home. Now, if I was with you, I would have used a napkin and all that, but not at home. So, man, you should see me with that double quarter pounder with the Big Mac sauce dripping. I bring it up to me like I am falling in love, like I want to kiss it. It is so beautiful to me. I mean, it, it's like it's got a wedding dress on it. Sorry, honey, but I just love it so much, and then I want to consume it. I want it, I want it all the way in, man. I, it's... It's just awesome, okay? And some of you are laughing, but I've seen the way you eat. <laughs> and you are the same. You are the same. And I want you to think about this. Some of you are going to go to a restaurant today, <clears throat> and you're going to be hungry. And you get that menu, and you're so excited about that menu. You just don't know what to get. It's like, you, I want to get two things. But get this appetizer. And you just go through that menu. You're just like, I love this. You're excited about the menu. Can I ask you something? Do you read your Bible like you read that menu? 
That'll convict you, won't it? Are we that excited to take the Word of God and look at it and be fed by it like we are physical food? I mean, we come here, what do we, we give? Hour and 15 minutes here at Freedom? Maybe an hour and a half on a long day when I'm long-winded? One day a week to worship? How many meals do we eat all week? We make sure we got those meals. Man. We live to eat. And do we love Jesus the way we love food? How we want to consume it? And we're excited about it? Hey, hey. Whenever I convict you, it's because I was convicted studying this. And, and confessing my sin, God, I'm sorry that I give so much attention to physical things more than you and your word. I'm so sorry, God, sometimes I act like I love food more than I, I love your word. I'm so sorry that, that it's like we get so worried about the physical when the spiritual is so more important. And I think this is what Jesus is saying. No more business relationships. I want intimacy with you. And I want you to surrender your heart and life to me. And I want you to take me in, all of me, spiritually, and follow me the rest of your life. Pray with me this morning. Pray. Let's close this out. Have a little time of prayer. Remember what I said salvation is a work of God. You can't save yourself. You can't do anything religious. You can't, you can't give any human effort whatsoever. God must do a work on your heart. So if you're not sure, pray to God and say, God, draw me to you. Draw me to you. And God draws those who truly want him. He draws them. And then the scripture says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. So he's drawing you, so you draw near to him, and he'll even get closer to you. He'll be so real in your life, so real. But you got to surrender. you got to surrender. you got to be all in to this. All in. Say, God, I want to be all in. And in this moment, if you're not a Christian, you just say, God, please forgive, my, forgive me of my sin. I want to turn from my sin. I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I, know, I understand now I can't work for it. I can't do it on my own. I want to put my faith in the cross of Jesus Christ. And I want to surrender all. No more, no more pretending. No more business type relationship I want to be intimate with you God spiritually I want to know you and love you and grow in you so God please do a work on my heart I desire to follow you the rest of my life Heavenly Father thank you for today God thank you for John chapter 6 what a powerful chapter God that really does convict us God, we see this crowd of unbelievers, God, and it hurts our heart that they, they had you right there in front of them, but they refused to worship you and love you.
But God, we're convicted because sometimes we act like the unbelieving crowd. Cleanse us from our sin today, Lord. Cleanse us. We can't cleanse ourselves. Cleanse us with your precious spirit. Cleanse us with your powerful word. I pray, God, that we would examine our our hearts this week, our lives, and, and God, help us to notice how much we spend worried about the physical, but not the most important, the spiritual nourishment that you give and the eternal life you give. Thank you for giving us eternal life. Thank you for the grace you have on us sinners. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand and uh, let's sing a closing worship song. I pray you'd worship from your heart.